Hello and welcome to another edition of Turn Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, huge guest and someone that actually, like, legitimately grew up in punk, Charlie Manning from the band Chubby and the Gang, Chisel, Arms Race, uh... Tons, tons of other bands. We could go on and on. We'll talk about a lot of them in the interview. You'll hear more of that in a second. Violent Reaction and stuff. Anyway, this is a good one. This is a really good one. But first, if you'd like to get in touch with me, please head over to the email address turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do for the show. You can also find me on Twitter or Instagram at left for damien If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is by telling all your friends about it. You can also head over to turnedoutapunk.com and grab a t-shirt. Thank you, everyone who has done that. There's also a Patreon at patreon.com slash turnedoutapunk. Huge thank you to everyone that uh, heads over there and checks that thing out. And, uh, and, uh, and then that, and then that's about it actually, uh, in terms of other stuff I do, I play in a band. We're called fucked up. We have a website fucked up.cc and you can find our merch store links and tour dates over there. We're going to be playing some shows coming up in the UK. We've got a bunch of records that are being reissued or coming out for the first time. You know, we, we're an active band. We've never slowed down, you know, we are still going. So, uh, check out all that stuff over there. Uh, and that is that on to today's show today on the show. As I said, off the top, Charlie Manning from chubby and the gang is here on the show. Uh, chubby and the gang have just gone from strength to strength. They've got a fantastic new EP that just came out for, uh, well, I guess Valentine's day has come and gone, uh, featuring who loves you coup d'etat Labor of Love is the name of this thing, and it is a fantastic new EP, capping off uh, a couple fantastic LPs they've put out in recent years, and also uh, stuff he's done in Chisel, stuff he's done in all all sorts of other bands. Like This is really a a fantastic episode for me to get to do because I wanted to talk about this stuff for a very long time with someone involved in it, because it really the last few years, the UK has been putting out consistently uh, a wave of incredible punk and hardcore bands dating back to, well, I guess Brian was on the show before from good throb and, and violent reaction and this whole wave of bands and incredible labels as well. Ola and quality control records and, uh, you know, we we'll always talk about uh, Paco's label and Tom Ellis's label in the, the show, but the, there's really just been a consistent sort of stream of these unbelievable bands that have been coming out of there. And Charlie's been in a lot of them. He's been involved in a, a great number of these bands. And it is, you know, uh, I don't know, high time when he was on the show. I'm not, I don't really know where to go rambling on about this one because this is a really good one. There's a lot of good twists and turns in this one, too, and surprises. So, I'm excited for you to hear it. Uh, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Check out their brand new EP, "Labor of Love." Uh, it, it's it's catchy as hell. You're not gonna you're not gonna stop listening to this thing. Check out the new Chisel LP as well. Check out you know there's there's just uh, as I say a lot of stuff from this camp that is coming out right now that is all worth your time. But I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Charlie Manning on Turned. 
out of punk. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I have wanted to talk to you for a very long time for, for a plethora of reasons, including, you know, your band that I'm a huge fan of, but also I feel like you and me are both members of an elite group and that's the Jonah Falco Appreciation Society. And uh, card holding member, baby. Same here. Always happy to meet another member, especially the lead singer member. You know, what's funny is like, um, I think people like think that I'm being polite when I say like in interviews, people ask me about Jonah Falco and they think I'm being polite by being like, oh yeah, we couldn't have happened without him. I mean, no, I'm, I'm fucking serious. Like it could not happen without him. Like the dude, like facilitated so many like good UK bands and shit, like, like other stuff as well, you know, like all these like young kids and stuff. So I mean, shout out to Jonah, like, come on. No, I know. Like I feel he could replace every single member of fucked up, including myself. And it would be seamless. Like he's the one dude that could just be like anyone else in the band could leave and the band could still go on. But if Jonah left, we'd, we'd be over. Yeah. The world would be over, mate. Well, this is not here to talk about Jonah. This is here to talk about you, Charlie. And we got to start this off the way they all start off, which is Charlie. How'd you get into punk? Remember the first time you ever came across it? Um, so my both my parents were into punk like they um they were like part of the whole crew of like you know sex pistols lot they were like hanging around with all them guys and stuff um and so like when i always had like punk like in the house mm-hmm. but you know at an age where it's like you don't understand the cultural context of what punk is like because essentially it's like a counterculture and if your parents are listening to it it's like sort of a weird it is the culture in your house you know what i mean but mm-hmm. um then I sort of got into hardcore because basically like that's sort of like the logical, more extreme step in it. I think like American hardcore is like more abrasive. It's more like button pushing. It's, it's less accessible. Like people don't know about that stuff. The stories are like all mad and whatever. And especially it being like in America, it's like, you know, you, if from an, for an English boy, like looking at America, it's like you can romanticize everything. Cause it's not on your doorstep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into hardcore just because I was like fucking, I was just like a young punk just walking down the street and then someone handed me a flight to a Cold World Justice show in Camden. And <laughs> yeah. I just, I was like, yeah, fuck, fuck it, I'll go. <laughs> I just walked in. I didn't even, I didn't even pay because I was just like, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. So I just walked <laughs> in again and that was it. Like, I was like, literally, and then I went to the fucking desk and I just bought like, I was like, look, mate, I don't know what this is, but like, I want to fucking listen to it more. And the guy was like, yeah, have this, have this, have this CD. Da, 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 da. And I just went through like, like the thanks list and shit. I used to go to these like secondhand shops and like, you know, because I was like into all like street punk kind of shit. So I was like begging for money and then going to spend it on records and like that kind of shit. And yeah, then once you get in, you know, you just, you don't look back there. It's funny you mentioned getting into the hardcore side of things because like I've always been fascinated like you're saying like punk was so much a part of youth culture in britain that i think it's a lot more not mainstream but like it's a lot more kind of like a part of the popular culture than it is in north america so hardcore would be the underground shit like that's the stuff that's not being covered in any of these places yeah totally like like if you go on the tube in or like the metro or whatever in london like there'll be an advert that's like oh welcome to london and they'll be like a, a they'll put like a punk in it being like <laughs> this is part of like the local thing or whatever so it's like or like you know like my parents are into it my friends parents are into it you know like 
like my best friend growing up, his his dad was like a like a boot boy, and then you know that kind of shit. So it's like it's not like this kind of like mysterious like. I feel like in America, if you're like into punk, it's like a bit more mis- like not mysterious, but like you know, people's parents weren't like, yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw fucking um, stranglers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, my dad like saw fucking like you know pistols and shit and all this stuff back in the day, and like, and it's like I'm sitting there like, yeah, well, I got into punk in two thousand and five, six. So you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like it's a little bit like they've already all, all the olders have already done it all. So so. But yeah, so I think American hardcore and like, you know, that kind of stuff is more exotic and more interesting when you're a British teenager. Well, it was for me anyway, like, mm-hmm. but it's all, to me, it's all, it's all the fucking same. Like, you know, I like Discharge, Chromags, shit sounds the same, like, to me. Now, now I'm older, I look back on it and just like, shit, it's all the same. But at the time, it's like the image, the, you know, you want to be different, don't you? Yeah, well, and I think the fashion plays such a huge part in it, right? Like, that's that's the formal rejection in a very visual way, right? Like, the style, like like you're saying, like, you know, Discharge influenced the Cro-Mags and, and stuff, so they're, they're, they're going to yeah. sonically be on the same level, but, like, visually, they look like two completely different animals. That kind of shit's been going on for ages, though, like, you know, like, fucking Stones were borrowing all this, like, American, like, blues music stuff, you know? I think there's been a back and forth between America and and the UK like in some form of some form of another just like musically all the time so you know but yeah it, it also feels like a lot of times uh North American underground culture has to you know maybe it's changed a little bit now because the whole world musical landscape has changed but like had to be accepted in Britain first especially in Canada for Canada to kind of go for it like oh, yeah. I think we are a lot closer uh you know not that punk was mainstream here but it feels like uh, a lot closer in music appreciation in England, like Shed 7, no one in America had ever heard of that band Shed 7, but they were huge in Toronto because, wow, really? yeah, British music plays really well here, during, especially during like that, you know, the Britpop explosion era. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always wondered like, is Oasis like a big deal to look normal people out there? Because I know I know a bunch of like sort of Anglophile types that like really like Oasis and stuff, but I never, I don't know, like, if you put Oasis on the pub in England, every fucker in there will know what's going on. Like, I, I remember I was in New York, like, and um, I used to go to this girl in New York and, and the football was playing. I was like, oh, I'd like to go and see it. And, like, England were playing. And someone put on Wonderwall and, like, I looked across the bar and it's like, there's another English guy there who's also mouthing the words and we just gave each other, like, a little stuff. <laughs> because the thing, I, was like, I was like, fucking hell, I wonder if there's, like, if, if I, you know what I mean? Does it have the same cultural, like... Yeah. I'm surprised people didn't sing along. And I think if you were there at that bar or that pub later on at night, people would definitely be singing along to Wonderwall. I think Wonderwall's the song for no- yeah, Oasis yeah, in North yeah. America, you know? But in Canada, they were big. They're, but, like, I think they probably occupied the same sort of, like, level of fame that The Cure would have had in, right. like, the late 80s or something. Or, or maybe even The Smiths, where they're, like, quasi-mainstream. like, But at the same time, it's still, like, you know, like, to have, like, to know... The lyrics to acquiesce, you have to be kind of a deeper head here. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I see. Yeah. I, I, I find it, I really relate to what you're saying because, like, not that my dad was, you know, seeing the pistols, but he was, he's, you know, from uh, from Portsmouth, and and so like growing up, he was into punk, and he was going to like the oh, show. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they... So like, but I so I grew up with it kind of like in the same way you did, and it wasn't until I got into straight edge and I started xing up and you know dressing more youth crew 
that my dad was like, that's, that's, what are you doing? Like he was offended. Like the punk thing didn't offend him because he grew up with it. But this, this thing that he had no concept of and no understanding yeah. of that flew in the face of drinking and smoking cigarettes. He, he was shocked by that. It's funny. Cause like, I feel like if you're the type of person that gets into punk music, essentially what you're looking to do is like counter whatever the culture is at the time or whatever you feel like culture is at the time. And like, you end up countering the counter to end countering that counter. And you just go down this thing where eventually you end up like being straight edge because you've countered counterculture. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. And you just end up like constantly like countering yourself. And now I'm not like, I was straight edge for ages. Cause I was like, yeah, fuck that. That's, you know, no, 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 I counter that. And then now I've countered that and I'm a piss head. And now I'm going to go, you know, and you just end up constantly rebelling against yourself. I mean, this like sort of like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a journey of life, right? Like you're constantly, you know reassessing your positions and yeah. i think punk and hardcore there's like a, a soundtrack for every reassessment that you go through like there's a genre i think it's really healthy though you know like to like constantly you know it's, i don't think it's not this isn't a distant strategy at all but like i don't like the idea of just people just sort of like being born doing one thing and then tapping out you know i sort of think it's it's, it's healthy to constantly sort of criticize your own shit you know yeah, I mean? oh yeah oh yeah definitely yeah and i think there's you know, you see examples of it of people that, you know, like don't go through that reassessment process and, and, you know, maybe don't have necessarily the understanding of other people that are different than them in some cases. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, shit around you changed, around you will change. So you've sort of got to change as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I think that's the, like you're saying, like, I, you know, like uh, the environmental factors shaping who we are are constantly evolving. And so we kind of have to adapt to those cultural you know, or the, the changing factors of survival. Yeah, mate. Well, back to uh, the, uh, the the survival of, of punk music and, and hardcore stuff. Were you ever <laughs> into that knuckle dust kind of scene? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they like, so um, they used to do these like, um, these ruction, the, the record label that they do is called ruction. And they, um, they used to do these like ruction, like um, a monthly gigs. Mm-hmm. at this place called 12 bar which was like when i'm when i mean it was an alleyway with amps in it i mean like literally like you could fuck it you could touch either side of the fucking thing you know <laughs> yeah uh, um and i used to just go there just because it was like you know when you're like 15 and you're just hanging out in the street it's like it was like right in the middle of the red light district you know proper like you know proper punk venue type thing and i used to just like be like right what what am i doing nothing i'm gonna go to this gig and then through that i ended up listening to all these sort of different shit from that because they used to put on these like eclectic bills where like you'd have like knuckle dust playing with like some sort of like fucking like scrams anarcho band and then the next one would be like an oi band and then the next one would be this and this and this so it's like fair play to them boys because they just basically like especially when you're young you know what i mean you fucking like you want to you want to see what is out there and then decide and that they were just like there's this there's this there's this and i was like this is fucking nice (laughs) yeah it also feels like that was like kind of the lean years of british hardcore like you feel like you know like as you're saying you can touch either side of the walls of this venue so it's not like you know uh the the roundhouse with thousands of people you know like it's like it this is the period where like as much as punk is part of the mainstream in england i found underground punk is a lot more underground there because it, it yeah, has yeah yeah there's i think there's like you know but those boys like they kept it extremely diy they've done everything themselves you know like and also like 
the gigs then like a knuckle dust show like <clears throat> i mean like it gets heavy you know people yeah. are going off like and and like you know like, i saw bulldoze and all all and in in like when i was like 15 or whatever and they were like and it was heavy and like all that crew was going crazy and it's like i think like you know it's easy to like be like oh punk's dangerous but when you've got some guy who's like 18 stone like throwing a foot right at your face you know that's when you're like right this is actually a little you know what i mean wait so bulldoze played this alleyway venue but not that alleyway like oh. a, they played this venue called the underworld and oh I absolutely it, yeah and it just was like i was like I wonder what this band's like and then just like whoop <laughs> yeah I was going to see it like there's no way a lot of those bands could even fit in that alleyway venue. I guess you have to right. move up to the underworld when the band won't fit in the one venue. Yeah, that 12 bar was just like a regular, like sort of like a haunt type thing, you know, like more of a bar type place. Underworld's like where they used to do all those ninja fests and stuff like that. Yeah, I saw um, Integrity 2000 when they played at Underworld in like, I guess it was the year 2000. Maybe it was 99. And uh, I remember just like the mosh pit was this mix of just like legit hard dudes and then kids like spin kicking like younger kids spin kicking into the hard dude and then just getting knocked out like yeah, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was not uh it was a very interesting style of moshing on both some parties. big boys back there man some big boys <laughs> yeah. so where'd you kind of go from this cold world like where were you buying records at this time you mentioned buying there, records there was this um there was this uh like there was a bunch of secondhand shops and like and and they didn't know what they had basically like this is like pre-discogs which mm -hmm. like i feel like really i feel old being like yeah this is like pre-discogs but like um i remember when discos came in and all of a sudden like everything was priced correctly and i was like fuck <laughs> it goes my record it goes my record collecting days but like yeah it's just like a secondhand shop people used to like i don't know who i don't know like why but i used to like go there and there'd be like records from the show i'd just been at there in the place and stuff you know what i mean like but so i used to just buy what i could if it was marked down i'd get what i can like you're young you got ain't got too much money you know what i mean so um but yeah it was buying all sorts of shit from there bought a fucked up record from there like i think it was uh, year of the pig yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah that blood blew my mind because i was like what <laughs> with all these other instruments in this punk record like fuck <laughs> what um but yeah then i was like i got into like I picked up a heresy record, got into that kind of stuff. Voorhees, you know, um, sort of just like I just sort of liked anything as long as it was aggressive. Like, I just liked it. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. This is something Joan and I talk about a lot. Actually, I talk about it with a lot of my friends. What was the point where, in your mind, things started to change in England? Like, the, there's obviously like the much lauded new wave of British hardcore stuff eventually. Like, and and what do you think was that catalyst for? kind of like because there's there's you know I, I compare it to toronto like our bands in toronto kind of came our wave of bands kind of came out of nowhere like obviously we're part of a tradition but the fact that all of us were doing this sound out of nowhere you know i find it very kind of similar to what happens in in england at a certain point it's it's funny i was actually talking about this the other day like with that new wave of british hardcore stuff i remember i remember the moment when i was like oh hang on there's there's like something here. And that was like the flex played this venue called the well in Leeds. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like one of those like outbreak festivals or whatever, but it's like prior to that, essentially going to gigs in the country was like many different, like, I don't want to say cruise. Cause that makes it sound like it's like a, it's something, but it was like 
you know, you there, there was like the London lot and there was like the guys from Leeds and then there was this and we'd all sort of go to shows and we'd all sort of be a bit separate, but, you know, we're at the same show and like, oh, there's this like Welsh band playing, so those boys, are, you know, it's like that. But I remember when the Flex played, it was like everyone was together, everyone was in this room, people who like, liked all different types of shit. It was like punk skins, all this shit going off. And it was like, all right. I remember like taking a step back and being like, yeah, yeah, this is something's going on here. Cause I was there at their first show and stuff. And it was like, it was, it was good and shit, but it wasn't like, it didn't have that same, there was this like cohesive moment where I was like, fuck, that's the one. Um, and um, yeah, before that, I just felt a little bit splintered, like there was stuff, but it was like that, those fests sort of brought everyone together. People started doing bands like, in different cities, more traveling. There was like a big commutes between like London and Leeds where like, like Violent Reaction was half London, half Leeds. So we used to go up there all the time. Come, They used to come down here sometimes. Um, Arms Race was the same. Like, you know, people were just sort of like about more and more willing to travel. I don't know, just, and then once it got the, the like snowball effect, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're there and there's like, you know, fucking 10 bands that are good instead of just like one but people fucking people it, you know it's funny because people with the new especially with the new ever british hardcore they did not like that people really? really did not like it nah people used to i used to like i used to have so much conflict with so many different groups of people because like especially when the answer is dropped new wave of British hardcore people really felt like we were saying that we are the like bollocks and you're not type thing, which was sort of the point, but like, you know, fucking grow up. Who cares? Uh, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, people really didn't like it. Like we were definitely like in the minority for a lot of it. And now all of a sudden, and it's so funny because now people are like to me like, Oh yeah. Remember when we were, you know, it's like, mate, I remember. <laughs> I remember, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, it's kind of like anything that's going to be memorable is going to have a segment in punk that fucking hates it when it comes out. Yeah. I, I can't wait. If 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 there is ever a fucking documentary, like, I want to be on it so I can be like, he wasn't there, he wasn't there, <laughs> this, that didn't happen. If people were, like, really trying to, like, I've seen some people write about it and I've just been like, whoa, like, I remember that gig and I remember how many people were there and there was like eight people there and you weren't there, mate. And, and it wasn't that good, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Uh, it's, no, no, it, I'm really, I'm really great. I'm really grateful. Cause it's like, we're surrounded by like loads of like really fucking good people. So who like persevered through like quiet times in punk to get to a good time. You know, it's mm -hmm. quite difficult. I think. So yeah, like, I remember going over there and like you're saying it was, it, cause geographically you can kind of drive from, one end of, of of several countries actually like to the other in in the course of a few days and it's kind of like as spread out i guess as toronto and montreal are uh, geographically but when we went there everything felt like a completely different scene like at first and then obviously now as you're saying like eventually became like a pan uh britain scene i guess yeah yeah i think uh, you know like it's also like sort of like you know, like you said, you can get, I can get to Paris in like three hours. Mm -hmm. you know? And like, so like bands like, like I play in this band Boss. It's like, there's, with Jonah actually. Got the new record right here, buddy. Maybe. There you go. Do you know what Cashamin is? Did he tell you what Cashamin is? No, he didn't. What's that? So, <laughs> check this out. So our mate Cal like has this thing that he does called cashing someone in, where if he sees someone at a bar, he'll <laughs> start a chart where it goes, there he is. 
There he is. There he is. And when if the guy smiles, he goes, cheer him up, cheer him up. And then they go, cash him in, cash him in. And they pick him up over the bar and chuck him over the bar. <laughs> hey, who says Britain's not got any culture? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Beef and tomato pot noodles and cashing them in. That's all you need. That's it. That's it, man. But I was but, saying like, yeah, like that, you know, those boys will live in fucking, um, those boys will live in like, one's in Belgium, one's in Paris. It's like, you know, you can you, you can do bands like with people who live like in a different country and shit, especially if you're in Europe and stuff. Like people in America do bands where they like fucking live in Los Angeles and everyone lives in Maine and shit. Yeah. We can yeah. do it. Yeah. It feels like that was like uh yeah, I want the, the painkiller guys. Like those are the guys that I knew that were doing it first. Like I'm sure there were other there's lots of other bands that were doing it before like, that, but yeah, like stuff like that were just like he was in a band with someone in fucking Austin, he lives in Boston. It's like what <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's funny because like i wonder like talking about you know uh you know the new wave of british hardcore if that's going to be one of the last geographical scenes because like you're saying now we live in a point with the internet especially now with the pandemic where everyone's been trapped at home where you're not limited to who's around you like you could do a band with someone on the other side of the world and yeah. meet up and play shows like are, like and that's what you see with like a lot of that you know some of the newer scenes that have kind of popped up is they aren't really centered on a on a specific region it's just kind of like people of a vibe around the world getting together and doing stuff yeah well last time i was in japan i was thinking mate you know what we could just i was talking to sani nick sanella and i was just like mate we could just do a fucking record and get one of these lads to sing on it and like make it more international because why why just limit ourselves to people you know just send shit over on the on the internet i sound like i'm fucking i sound like my dad now like you got the internet now you know what i mean you can send anything you want to anyone but like you know it doesn't it like doesn't you're not limited to like you know fucking showing up in a fucking practice space now you know if people are like proficient at the instruments you can just send them the shit and they they learn it and that's it you know what i mean yeah yeah and there's no more like you know like having to get a band together with a guy that's into you know the 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 new metal and then you got a drummer who's like a crust punk and you're trying to do a, a record that sounds like discharge you know like now you yeah, can find I everyone all, i love all those like early like new york hardcore records and you look at the photo and there's always one guy in there who's just like someone's cousin like cousin Vinny, and he's like come so yo my cousin can play drums like yeah we'll get him on it and he's there in the photo like what the fuck am i doing <laughs> you know what i mean but i think that also like leads to you know, accidental sonic innovations. And I wonder if now that everyone's so dialed in, you're not going to have that same sort of happy accident. No, I completely agree, man. Like, think about it. Like, I'm um, like those, those New York bands, like a lot of them got huge metal influence, created a whole new thing. I'll guarantee you that came from someone's cousin who is a metal head who can play guitar, who they just needed a guitarist for, who done, you know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. that shit makes for interesting interesting shit like Mackie was all into like hip-hop and stuff like so you can hear it you can yeah. fucking hear it and so it's like that kind of shit makes makes it more interesting you know one of the weirdest parts of that beastie boys do you read that beastie boys oral history book that came out a couple years ago no oh, no it's 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 a fascinating book but like in the early chapters they talk about how the beastie boys would play live when they were doing the transition from beastie boys the punk band to beastie boys the yeah. hip-hop group and they didn't know how to do a live show. So when they would come out and do the rap part of the show, they mention this graffiti artist, Mackie. They never say it's Mackie from the Chromanx, but it's gotta be. And he would yeah. come out and bust murals behind them live while they were rapping. Fucking crazy. But can you imagine just like, I always wonder like people then at the time, were they like, this is amazing and special? Or were they just like at a gig? 
I know what I mean? Yeah, well, I kind of think like, you know, after a certain point, obviously everyone gets on board, but when you talk to the people that were playing CBGBs for like the first time, it's yeah, like you're well, saying, I, like no one liked it. Like people hated it. No one was there. And now, of course, people talk about it like it was, you know, this this magical place, ignoring the fact that there was a dog shitting on the floor and they're making chili off the bar. Yeah, totally. You seen the <laughs> fucking picture of the toilet? It looks amazing. I'd love to have taken a shit in CBGBs, man. I got to do it once. <laughs> yeah, I was at a fucking, I was at work and um, I chatted to this guy and I was like, oh, where are you from? And he was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, originally from LA, but I, I was like, grew up in Lower East Side. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, when you're suddenly having a conversation with someone, all of a sudden you realize like, all right, you're, I, we know stuff, you know, you know, you know, yeah, we're in the same tribe, whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, um, he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I used to follow this band around back in the day, like old punk band um, called The Bad Brains. You ever heard of them? I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm familiar, yeah. And he's like, um, yeah, like I saw them at this um I asked him about the CBGB's gig, you know, the fucking the eighty two one? Yeah, I mean the 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 one the one, you know. Yeah. And he was like, Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I was just thinking, pretty good, mate. So if you knew how fucking many times I watched it on YouTube, like me and my mates just sat watching it on YouTube. He was like, Yeah, it was all right, yeah, pretty good. It's like <laughs> fucking hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what makes you think about all the ones that weren't recorded? If that's that good right. and people are not blown away by it who were around at the time, what were the ones we haven't seen like? Yeah. Which one did he see that made him go, that was the best one? Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. Exactly. Well, I guess go, going back to the before time, how did Abolition come together? Um. So we, um, we, I knew Nick before, um, um, just like I met him in the street, basically. Um, and then we sort of all started bumping into each other at shows and, and, um, we were like a few guys that were into like sort of anything, Mm -hmm. like it was a little crew of us that were sort of into anything. So we'd go to those like Russian shows and then we'd go to these like squat shows. And like at the time, like London had a good squat scene where like there was a lot of venues that were, were squatted out Rampart and, um, what was the other one? Is it Death Bells and like all this, all these places. And we would just bump into each other there and just to get chatting because, you know, you see you're at this bulldoze show, but you're also at this, like, you know, fucking funeral diner members show or whatever. So it's like, and then um, we were just like, fuck it. Should we just do like the, the most like, like non-fashionable band you can think of? And it's like, what's that? It's like 90s and narco. <laughs> so we were just like, they're like, yeah, sweet. Let's get on it. Just played like, 10 years to no one (laughs) it was was amazing it was amazing though because we just did like like fucking we were like young as i mean you know like in our mid-teens when we was doing that shit so like we and we were like fuck it should we book a tour to to ukraine yeah fuck it let's just do that like so we we just got an advantage went to ukraine like just booked a tour ourselves called people up like on the phone and shit being like you know anyone in france Yeah, sweet. Like, yeah. Can you give me his number? Just like played shows to like no one the whole time. That was a, that was a funny show. A uh, funny tour. Like. It, the record is like. So, who would you guys kind of play with? Like at that time, like was it bands coming touring, or was it like are there local bands you kind of tapped in with? A lot of straight, a lot of straight edge bands because there was a bit bigger straight edge scene, and there was like a night. It was difficult to get. It was either like nineties bands that like were political or like straight edge, like more like locking out style European mm. bands um sort of anyone though man like we would just play to anyone like anyone who would have us like we was just jumping on any fucking thing squat but we wanted us to play with we played with unbroken once that was like a big deal for us that would um, have been sick 
Yeah, which is like Unbroken and um, oh, fuck, what's that other band? Uh, um, the, the like satanic heavy bands that they fucking used to. Um, Bloodlet? Nah, nah, nah. Um, oh, come to me. But like, was that at the Underworld that show? Disembodied. Oh, disembodied. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was cool. But it's like, yeah, we just do whatever. And like at the time, like you know, it was like the UK hardcore scene was like, like I don't want to say it was like in a bad spot, but it just like wasn't. It wasn't like how it is now at all. Like you know, people were very like they like one thing and one thing only, or like <clears throat> there wasn't that many bands floating around. You know, just it was just a bit quiet. I think everywhere goes through ups and downs. I don't know. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and then from that, just I mean, the, the the last like year of abolition, people were like really into it. But we were a band for like what nine years, so you know, eight years of nothing. <laughs> when did you guys honest, form? At the time, at the time, I wouldn't have had it any other way because, like, for me, like all I wanted to do was just like be against everything. I was like young, angry, fuck this, fuck that. Oh, you don't like it? Fuck you. You don't like this? Fuck you. Like you know what I mean? So like I loved being the the underdog bands like yeah fuck no one likes us yes like you know <laughs> when did you guys form because like how long before the record like language of violence comes out in 2012 uh yeah so that was the last one so we was it was 2000 and i think we formed 2007 oh wow okay yeah, yeah it was it definitely feels like 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 you're saying like it's the lean years but i think that's why you know, all these bands wind up being so interesting, like from your scene is because, you know, it's the same way for like most of these great scenes that kind of arise, like there, there are lean years before it. And that's why something yeah. kind of comes up. And because of the lean years, you're checking out all sorts of music. Like if, if something's happening, you know, like you don't have to go to like random ass shows. Um, yeah. Like something's happening. I'm there. Cause I want yeah. to just, you, you love it and you want to be there. Like, that's why I think like, you know, a lot of the times I, when I was younger, like a lot of the older lot would talk about, like um in, in bands that were like important to them and i listen to them and be like this this is important to you oh what the fuck and then as i got older i realized it's about the context of when that band was there because like if you've got this one band that's championing the scene and like bringing everyone together and like like i mean bring everyone like physically together in a room like to watch this or like they're like the main support band for any band that rolls through or whatever you know that is important like very important regardless of how good the band is you know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, I always got a lot of respect for it. You know, you got to respect those bands that like. I'm not saying abolition at all. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't have to respect abolition. What I'm saying is like with these, uh, with these like you know the older bands that all the old generation like. Yeah, yeah, this is important. This is important. It's like, yeah, it's important. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you have to. You, you know, you have to uh, give it meaning, and and I think that's yeah. also by the same way it goes. Where like there are some bands that you know you love as a young person, you bring them up to someone that was around at the time, and they were like, oh fuck that band. Yeah, <laughs> oh, but that band's amazing. They're like, no, if you were around, they sucked. That's like that's how I feel about the clash, you know. Like people like people love to to diss a clash, yeah. And my take on it is like people are like, yeah, he was, he was like a rich, he was like a rich, like, you know, like nerd who like da, 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 da. I was like, mate, have you fucking seen the state of punk now? Like, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? So you can criticize him for that, like shit, we could be here all day. Like the dude was around in the 70s in England fighting off the national front and shit, like. 
no one can tell me and writing good tunes at the same time. No one can tell me shit about Joe's drummer. I will refuse to hear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love, I love, I love the current. Yeah. That's me. I think, I think he's like someone that I had to age into, you know, and like yeah, understanding definitely. like what he was trying to do, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, that's, that's, this is like a recent thing. And I was like, oh, actually he's all right. Yeah. I think also once you start playing in a band, especially a band that has any sort of profile and attention, you yeah. realize like, man, that guy, you know, would have had to work really hard to be that big and not become a complete shithead. Like that would have taken a lot of effort on his part. Yeah. Good boy, John. Yeah. So what about guidance? And I think that guidance record is sick. So how did that uh, oh, come together? More like Nardwa or something. <laughs> No, I just, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at, like, especially the scene that you guys came out of, I'm fascinated by and developing because I feel like, you know, we were touring the UK around this time and just kind of like watching every time we go back, it felt like, oh, like now there's shitty limits and, and there's all this yeah, sort of right. scene. Yeah. And now there's like uh, this scene. And then it felt like it was just like evolving and then all of a sudden it, it exploded. So, yeah, guidance though, that record ages really well. Really? Uh, I think I think Path of Path of Grace sounds so sick. Amazing! I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Like, okay, that's one of the bands that, like, occasionally I get people come up to me and they're like, "Oh, using guidance." I was like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Yeah, I really like the record." I was just think, like, "Fucking hell, man!" Like, I don't know. You know those ones that you like don't you don't expect? Like, it was that was a, you know, again, it was like a, I just like doing what other people like what's not in vogue. So I was just like, what's, I'm going to do this. I sort of like was reading a lot about like different, trying to broaden my horizons and stuff. Like, you know, thinking about like, not like spiritual stuff, but like, you know, that kind of, sh that kind of shit. And then, yeah, I don't know, just made the record and I, I don't really know, man. Like it was a very short lived band. We, we did like a, we did one tour, which was like three days in Poland and one in Ukraine. <laughs> what a tour. Fucking hell, man! I tell you what, like, yeah, it was like Warsaw, Krakow, this place that's like on the border of Ukraine, and then yeah, it was like, um, yeah, it was weird. Like, <laughs> is, uh, go on, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no go on. Uh, I was gonna say, is the, uh, is the 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 record comes out on like a label out of Sweden and a record a label out of Bulgaria, right? Like, is that yeah, a factor yeah. of the abolition touring that you did, meeting all these people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, at, at that time, like, people in Europe were way more interested than people in the UK. They didn't give a fuck, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, like, um, all these, like, Euro guys are into, like, 90s stuff and the straight edge stuff. Well, straight edge is much bigger, was much bigger in in Europe. I mean, it probably is now, yeah. But, like, all that kind of world was, like, much, much bigger in Europe. Like, people were more politically inclined and, like, they liked 90s stuff more and, like, the UK was just sort of, like, people just liked sort of, like, mid-2000s, like, looking out style stuff, which is nothing wrong with it, but, like, that was what people wanted and, like, you know, that's that's what they... That's what they just... Yeah, and so we didn't really fit in that well in, like, UK. But, again, that's how I liked it, man. Like, I just wanted to fucking do whatever... Um, all that stuff was <clears throat> all that stuff was written like super quick like you know yeah six seven practices and it was done and just went on yeah it, it feels like um you know like it, it feels like uh you would like you look at videos that are of the uk stuff in the 90s and even those shows aren't huge but 
There is yeah. like, you know, there's that Mighty Mighty Boston's footage in the Robbie Brookside documentary of all these kids doing crazy stage dives to like the Mighty Mighty <laughs> Boston's in 88 or so, or 80, 90 maybe. What, in, in the UK? Yeah. And watch it. It's like the Robbie Brookside wrestling or BBC Diaries series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did an episode on Robbie Brookside because he's like a total punk dude. Uh, he brought him to the uh, Mighty Mighty Boston show that night. And it's Boston's like way pre clueless and, and any sort of level oh, yeah, of real yeah, fame. Yeah. So it's all hardcore kids just going. Ballistic I can't I'm too familiar with um, Boston's, to be honest. Um, uh, they, you know, they've got that connection through uh, Impact Unit to. The... Oh, right. Impact. There is, they're in Impact Unit. Same singer, Dickie Barrett. Well, there you go. I had no idea. Yeah, that was his, like, you know, I guess his hardcore era. I tried to talk to him about it one time. And as I'm talking to him, he's literally turning around and walking away. He doesn't want to talk about Impact Unit. <laughs> I just think he didn't want to talk to me. I think I could have been talking to him about anything and he would have been walking away, but it was, it was, I got a photo and he looks so pissed off in the photo. It's awesome. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. People get like weird about like hardcore past and stuff like that. Like you think it would, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Some people get weird about it. Some people love it. Right. Like when you bring it up to them. Yeah. 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 Um, I always want to bring up riffraff to Billy Bragg. Like when I say him, do it was he he was on this wasn't he yeah yeah dude listen to his episode he loved talking about riffraff and really yeah he is definitely oh it's so it was so cool getting to talk to him and like knowing that that had a special place in his heart and like talking to him about you know all the bands they would have played with back then and kind of like that little you know brief chiswick scene that kind of popped up and yeah he was super super cool Crazy. I mean, he's he's a fucking man. Like, honestly, I just think he is the man. Um, to, to fucking write, I think, you know, to write albums with just a guitar and you fucking make it, like, enjoyable the entire way through, that's fucking genius. Like, mm-hmm. Anyone can put trumpets on this and da-da-da, or, like, you know, stick a slide guitar here or whatever, but, like, to sit there with one guitar and make it, like, a fucking, you know what I mean? Make it interesting is, like... And he must have had so much pressure from record labels and all these things around that oh. time, like Christy McCool stuff, like when he was blowing up, blowing up at first. Could you imagine the conversations they had around the fucking table about, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. I reckon, a, yeah. Go on. But I, he's, he's a guy who stayed cool the whole time. Like, he's he yeah. played, like, labor protests in Toronto when he would come over here and play, like, sold-out he shows. He Mayday here and shit. does all the, like, he, like he, he just, like, shows up, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah he's, he's the man yeah no i think that's like i'm always impressed by especially when you meet the the older punks that aren't able to retain it that achieved far less in sort of any yeah. sort of like long-lasting success and they have attitude so you kind of grow weirdly to expect people like that to have attitude yeah i fucking yeah i i go in expecting people to be like this like that to be honest like you know i think they're the bollocks but you know, whatever were there punk records in your house growing up? Like, did you have like old 45s and all that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, um, uh, so like my dad, I don't know if anyone knows this, but my dad drew the animation in Great Rock and Roll Swindle. What? Yeah. So he that was like, That is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did Jonah not I, tell me that? I just, I, mate, I didn't think it was interesting until I said to Jonah the other day, and he was like, yeah, you should speak up on the podcast. I was like, all right, I will do, but I don't think anyone will find that interesting. But I oh, listen, mate, I've got a load of fucking, I've got a load of fucking cells from it. I'll send you one if you want. 
Uh, that I like that is honestly, and I'm not just saying because it's your dad, but that is some of the most iconic animation. Like uh, <clears throat> I talk about it a lot on the show, but like the first show that I went to uh, was the Circle Jerks, like the first true concert, uh, and uh, the show got canceled. And so they put on the great rock and roll swindle. And this is at a point where I did, I couldn't find it at the video store or anything like that. That's amazing. Just stick a film on. It's like when the teacher doesn't show up, you know what I mean? <laughs> stick a film on. <laughs> the kids were smashing chairs. People were so like, they put it on to placate the audience eventually because people were so pissed that yeah, the circle right. tricks had canceled. But like, so that animation is some of my favorite art ever. Like that is, I love your dad's style. I I mean, like, I I had fucking no idea, but but like about the importance of any of this shit. So like, when when I was younger, like, you know, there's a big box of forty fives, and there's like all these like OG Sex Pistols shit, and they're just like sitting in there. And there's like, you know, all these like the damned and like, you know, sort of the classic stuff. And to me, like, this was just like normal music. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it, it, how how can I put that? I knew it, it made me feel good. I liked it better than. Then, like you know, the other shit that was in there, but like you know, I didn't, I didn't separate like, I didn't in my head there wasn't a separation between the Pistols or the Ramones was another one that big one that we used to listen to, or something like that between that and like fucking like Yazoo or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. in my head it was like all the same shit because like this was in my parents' record, but Soul as well was a big one in my house. Soul reggae, that was like a big one. Um, it was only when I really left like London that I realized that like reggae wasn't a thing that people listen to like normal people. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, or like, or like Northern Soul or something like that. I was like, wait, hang on, what? Like, people, not everyone's listening to this. And then, then I sort of understood the context of it. But um, yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, my parents were like in that world, like, and they were like, you know, involved with like they knew knew Julian Temple and all that shit. Like, they were like about, you know um there's like pictures of them like fucking charged hair like fucking like wearing bin bags and like the crazy shit like um so did your dad do illustration for like zines or flyers as well he must have right i've seen other stuff by him to be honest like we never really talked about it that much yeah <laughs> like yeah like I'll, I'll 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 um he's done a, like a few other things um but yeah like he just sort of like was there at the time they i think like a lot of that stuff like from what i gather from him just like, oh yeah, you're here. You can draw. Like, yeah, do this. I oh, will do this. Like, oh, you know, there's no like, this is amazing, and we need to get this thing here. It was just sort of like getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that's why. That's why I was talking about like, you know, like when we were saying earlier, like about people who go to gigs. I wonder if they think it's good because like my parents were there at the time. And they're like, oh yeah, they're all right. It's like, what? <laughs> like. Like they were like, I remember my dad being like, "Oh yeah, crass, yeah, they were, they were shit." And I was like, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> I was like, how do you? I was like, "How do you know that?" And he's like, "Yeah, I saw them in this thing, and they were fucking crap." And I was like, "Whoa, mad." <laughs> have, have they ever brought up bands that you know you hadn't heard of, or that were like sort of obscure, and they were like, "No, this was the band." Uh, nah, they, I, they, from from what from what I gather, they were just like having a good time. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, there's music here. Sweet. What's this? Oh, it's the damn sweet. You know, you know what I mean? Or like the Stranglers, some shit like that. They're just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm at this pub. Yeah. Oh, oh and the Stranglers are playing. It's, like, it's amazing how growing up with it, you know, changes your relationship to it. Like I just had Polly Styrene's daughter on who just did a documentary and she just, oh, yeah. and she completely rejected it. Like had nothing to do with punk. She was saying at all. And yeah. 
you know, and I think it's just, and like you're saying, it's almost like mainstream music to you growing up. Like you're hearing this stuff around the house. So, you know, you're going to have a different relation to it, relationship to it to a kid who's growing up with like nothing but, you know, whatever 60s rock was playing or, or, or Ario Speedwagon or whatever. I think that's like maybe one of the reasons why I got into the whole boot boy thing, because like, like it's like this scary, it's like a scary version of it. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, you people are intimidated. You're like, you know, it's all about like, you know, going out and causing trouble. And when you're, when you're a teenager, all you want to do is get people's backups. Like, you know what I mean? You just want to fucking rustle feathers and just do this and do that. So it's like, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why, that was like more of a thing that I lent into, or I don't know, or the hardcore thing, you know, the American hardcore thing. Again, it's like, because a lot of, I think like my parents' generation would be like, oh, this isn't like punk. Like we had punk, like this is some other American shit. And it's uh -huh. like, feels good to be like, nah, we're in this, <laughs> you know, more underground, more aggressive, more fucking like negative approaches, way more abrasive than like pistols. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, like you're saying as a young person you're looking for any way to make a mark on this world like graffiti like how many young kids are doing graffiti like physically leaving a mark on the world or how many yeah. people just like as young people just break stuff because you want to physically not saying they're the same thing but like you know no yeah 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 like how many windows have you put through <laughs> like in warehouses or whatever yeah. just because you thought it was funny like or whatever and punk's like a way to channel that into something where you're actually like producing something with the destruction yeah it's, it's like you know it's totally like that. I mean, you know, like I don't, I don't think that there's anything like, you know, just fucking letting it all out. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, what I mean, you're a teenager, do you should, you should be doing shit like that. <laughs> you know, what I mean, smashing windows, fucking nicking cars. You know what I mean? That's that's what teenagers should be doing. In my opinion, not not fucking bidding on these NFTs and all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's changed now. Now it's uh. You know, maybe young people are smarter now for, but you know, now they're building up their Ethereum accounts and they're going to be set for life. They're not going to break records afterwards, they, though. Whenever they fucking talk to me about shit like this, just go out and shoplift something. Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Go do something. Right? <laughs> it, it's got to be the thing I want to talk about the least in the world. Like yeah, literally man. the topic. I, ironically, we I keep bringing it up. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I don't, don't get me wrong. There's definitely things that uh you know are going to make you angry that you just have to lean into sometimes because because you need that emotion satiated as well yeah how did charlie and the gang uh, sorry chubby and the gang kind of come about like what was that transition i was like i was arms race is coming to an end the other bands i was doing was coming to an end and i was sort of like you know i was like fuck what am i gonna do now so i was like well i, I always think like it's, this is probably really unhealthy, but I always think like, look around me and be like, what's not, what are these people not doing that can do? And like, no, every, everything was like DBE, like fucking like, um, sort of like a little bit like, a lot of like sort of Japanese hardcore style stuff, like abrasive, like, you know, everything was like black and white photocopied, like skull on this shit. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? Chiswick Records. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the front cover so it's got no black and white on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, I'm bored of this shit. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do that. And then like, um, people, people liked it. And, and I was like, oh, fuck. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. I probably didn't think, I honestly was supposed to just do that one seven inch and just be done with it. Um, but like, 
people seemed to buzz off it. And I thought, you know what? I'll fucking do an album. Like, and then I just sort of, yeah, just write the album. It's not really a lot to it. Just, I was writing it a lot at work. Um, so I was like up doing like scaffolding and shit and just being like, <laughs> I've got all these like demos on my phone and me being like, um, so the song will start off like this and then it will go do, 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 do. And then it will go down here and there'll be a drum break. And then did it. And I'd get back home and try and like decipher what the fuck that means. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or I'd write it down. I'd write it down. Like write all these notes down. Like the song should start off slow and then go quicker and then be like this and then do that. And then like get home and be like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then like try and actualize these fucking tunes. But yeah, it all came together really quickly. Like, um, um, the other two members, like they were playing in, like I basically I wanted guys that I could go on tour with forever. I want to, I was like, I want to just go on tour forever. So I got these like younger guys in from Brighton um, who had like no commitments and shit. I was like, right, lads, we're gonna do this band. Um, here's the tunes. Let's go. And we just fucking did it in like four or five practices, and that was it. So is that like a uh, kind of a you know you wanted to go on tour and finding people that could tour all the time? Is that like a result of Violent Reaction not? touring as much or is that a result of like like you know the other bands you in toured but they didn't like yeah there was like um sort of like my like i mean I'm, I'm 30 now so like my generation is like getting to that level where like people have like long-term girlfriends and they're like you know they got this career and they can't get the time off here and like i basically like uh because i'm an electrician i'm self-employed i pick my times whenever i want to do it or whatever and i was like i fucking want to go on tour in south america i'm not done yet you know what I mean? So then I was like, I'll get these guys who can go on tour for three months and whatever. It was just like, I was just like, this is all like hypothetical thick shit in my head. It wasn't like I was like, I need to go to South America. But like, I was like, you know, if I, I want to go out and see more shit, I'm not done yet. So that's why I got people who just like were younger because they could just go and do whatever, drop it out. You know, you know, you know, it's like when you're in your fucking early twenties, you can just go like, yeah, I quit. I'm off. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Can't really do that when you're like in your early thirties. It's a bit more like. But yeah. I think that's the intention, right? Like the, the going into that with the intention, like, even if you're not serious about it, but like, I want to be in a band that can play South America. I want to do like that. I think comes with the experience of being in a band and yeah. that, that that's the drive that enabled you to do that. Right. Yeah, I think also like you know sometimes if you if you keep going with the same people like a lot of that new weather British hardcore bands like the same four or five people just go again 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 it's like sometimes it's it's nice to just have like a new new group of people that are like you know full of beans and like you know they want to go out and do shit and like you know what I mean rather than just like right we'll go in France again or whatever you know I guess I got to ask you about uh, Ellis and uh static shock records because he seems like he would have well i know i know from watching it happen he seems like he, a guy who's played such a key role in kind of british hardcore in general i mean for me like from for my like development is like key like him and paco from la vida SMS, like they really like helped me how can i put this hone my taste in what i liked like they showed me all these records it's like having someone there who is like able to sort of like show you the ropes and stuff is like it's invaluable especially like someone who has the like a record label or shit like that you know what i mean it's like going to him being like look can you do this or do you like this or do you think this or whatever it's like it's it's invaluable you know what i mean so i've got i'm indebted to someone like ellis like truly like yeah but uh yeah, no, he's he's sort of like been doing st like things like Static Shock Festival is like fucking so important, like you know, like all these 
all these blacks getting to see warthog and shit in a warehouse it's like in london is like amazing right you know shit like that which would, people if it weren't for him i don't know if things like that would happen you know what I mean? yeah i remember meeting him the first time we went over there and it was just after the band he sang in had bro- broken up like his his first band oh yeah uh fucking um yeah um crash the pose yeah yeah that's it and he, and he was kind of traveling around you know following us on the tour and everywhere we went people knew him like he felt like he was already like as much as i was talking about how it all felt separate at that time he was the guy that it felt like was trying to even yeah. not unintentionally like link everything he's he definitely like he's yeah he's definitely like, hats off to him man because he's been there for time and he's been putting in like you know putting out all these bands and he's like a lot of it's like very selflessly doing it as well but i went to go see crash the puzzle when i was like in my early like when i was like first getting into it and it was like in this satellite town and i had to go get the train up couldn't afford the train so i was like oh, i'll just i'll just bunk it whatever bunk the train and I ended up getting like basically like jumped really badly by all these cops on the train like they ended up like kicking my head in basically and I showed up to the show with like no money, like being like, can I just come in? And and they were like, mate, yeah, oldest trick in the book, mate. Yeah, you know, like they didn't believe me. And he then let me in the show. Oh, that's awesome. And I didn't know him at the time, yeah. And he let me in the show. And I was like, really like, fuck, this guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 It it really is like, it's funny when you break down when these things happen. Like you're saying, there's eight people in these rooms and you can see the importance of all of these eight people. Like, uh, yeah. where these eight people went in building this thing that eventually got much bigger than eight people 100 man. i mean he's he's paramount in like all that shit at least man like fucking hats off to him do you think the explosion like hardcore went through a brief period of of kind of like mainstream flirtation in england in like sort of like the early 2010s with the gallows getting super popular do you think that did anything to populate these shows with a lot more kids later on yeah, I don't know actually, because like sometimes I, th- my, I I thought no originally, but then a few people like you know everyone's got to start somewhere, haven't they? And mm-hmm. like a few people I met, it's like oh yeah, my first show was like I don't know, like would be like oh the gallows or something, and then you think like oh actually maybe that was all right, you know like a like an important thing, I guess I don't know. I mean, like, some that. of the shows I was going to early on were fucking shocking. So not that the gallows are shocking because I I think they're good people and they're good but like but like you know like the mainstream like world there's a lot of like weird mainstream hardcore bands you know what i mean that like get people into better shit you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah well you I need like to weird because i think they're good just to clarify that sound like i was cussing them out <laughs> no and, and they were you know like i remember the first time they opened for us at the old blue last and i remember people being like yo you watch this band they're gonna be fucking insanely huge and i i watched them and they were crazy that night like frank was fucking unhinged yeah yeah. one of the craziest shows i've ever seen in my life all them boys are good man it's like you know what i mean it's like that's like like first record slaps like people like go fucking ham to it it's like what more do you want it's like especially if you're young and shit you like see someone fucking this like ginger guy like fucking going crazy like jumping off the amps and shit it's like that's sort of what it's all about you know what i mean yeah for me yeah, no, and I think, you know, like, we'd be playing some of those shows when we, we eventually went back and had to open for them, and there'd be, like, 2,000 kids, you know, and, yeah, just moshing and stuff, and, like, that's, you need those, like, you need the Green Day, you need the Alexa yeah, yeah. on Fire, you need all these bands, because otherwise, it's just eight people at the 12 bar. But, bruv, like, think about it like this, like, you get a fucking, you look at <clears throat> videos of Discharge playing in Stoke in 82, there's fucking 2,000 people there. Yeah. No one 
no one can fucking tell me that like oh punk was always underground and like sometimes i feel like that people say that about like you know with chubby and a gangster because we're like on like an indie label and like we're like you know doing you know playing with like biffy clyro or whatever people are like oh yeah you know punk's meant to be something which is kept duh, duh, duh. but it's like on one hand yeah on the other hand like fucking these bands are playing like crafts were playing to like fucking thousands of people like and that's a fact and like you know what I mean? So you can't really sit there and tell me it's designed for one man and his dog in the back of a pub type shit because it can be like it's just you know doesn't get the proper attention that the media deserves to give it. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I think anyway. You oh can, yeah, like you that. Can... Go on. Go on no, go on, mate. No, oh, no, I, I I was just gonna say like it was on top of the pops. You know, like yeah. it it, it, it was. Rejects on top of the pops. There you go. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, you mentioned Biffy Cairo there, and they're a band who, you know, put the gallows on early on, put the Bronx on shows with them early on. Like, they seem a band, like a, a band that's repping for the underground. Yeah, yeah. They put us on in, um, they put us on in Cardiff with um, um, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. They mm-hmm. they played in a, um, that's why I met Frank, actually. He's, he's a good boy, man. Like, um he was actually like really sweet i didn't i didn't know whether he was gonna try and like be crazy with me or whatever but he was like oh yeah mate love the record i was like he's the man i really yeah. think he's the boy um but yeah anyway like they um they put us on this show in in this like it wasn't a venue like it was like a it was a because it was listed as cardiff bay which is an area yeah. i'm like what the fuck cardiff bay i was like what the fucking venue is that and then like we got there and it's just like a fucking car park with twelve thousand people in it <laughs> None of them wanted to. I fucking got up on stage and I was like, "Yeah, just want to say, like, you know, like, fuck all cops, and if your dad's a cop, fuck him too, and if your mum's a cop, fuck her, and if your cousins, you know, all this shit." And then the next day, I just got this like sea of people being like, "Gig was lovely, almost ruined by the chubby and the gang singer being obnoxious type shit," you know what I mean? Like, just all these like, radio listeners being like, "Yeah, anyway." But they were cool, man. I met them and they were like really nice actually. And the guy, like, the guy came up to me and I thought he was trying to be like oh yeah like oh i love the record and he obviously hasn't heard it but he was like oh i love the record i like this song and i was like fucking hell that's fair play mate you know because yeah you, people, people are like they come up to you they're like yeah i love the i love the record um what's it um greg comes to life or something yeah whatever what's it yeah yeah i love that one yeah yeah yeah. you know what i mean but like when they actually like put details like and they know the actual name and you know that kind of shit you're like all right <laughs> All right, you know what I mean? Yeah, and they like they put gallows on super early on, and in the Bronx they put on I think even on the second record. Like they they seem like guys that that you know are paying attention to what's happening, and like for a mainstream band to still be willing to do that is is kind of awesome. I always get a bit like always get a bit amazed like when someone like that checks out Chubby and Gang because I just think like how the fuck did you? I'm still in the how the fuck did you find that? Like I'm still yeah. in that like mentality where i just yeah i don't know it was wild on that gallows tour because we were on with them when they first like blew up blew up i've never seen people react to someone like they reacted to frank like yeah. people were trying to steal his clothes like people were like really it, yeah like he, he's another guy who i think was able to kind of keep his head you know without you know at a time where like i've never like 
We're on tour with the Foo Fighters. People weren't acting like that to Dave Grohl. Like, oh, it, it was that. It was that tour. Yeah, Jonas told me about that one. That sounded like a fucking crazy tour. It was wild. Like, it really felt like, like <laughs> there was like something happening. Like there was an explosion. Like, I guess it would have felt like you know what it would have been like to be around those first punk bands when that started exploding and the media's all over it and it's just like a thing. Yeah, like you know when you see those flyers for like, like it'll be like Chromax with Motorhead and shit. Like that. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean. It's like it's like they're starting to like get out of the the inner thing, and they're yeah. starting to get into like normal normal people's like you know sphere. Like the the, the guy who cut, shows up to see Foo Fighters, and then there's like the guy who shows up to see Gallows, and then it's like you know what I mean. It's like yeah. Yeah. there's different levels. There's levels of this thing, right? Yeah, and then eventually levels. you're at the twelve bar. Yeah, right, right there at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess I, I also wanted to talk to you a, bit, a little bit about Violent Reaction, because that seems like a band that, uh, well, I love that band, and certainly a band that's beloved here in North America. Um, it, yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. definitely. Oh, really? I, I, I didn't know if people forgot about it or not. Uh, I think people have long memories for stuff. And also, that's the thing about, yeah, like you're saying, people's memories for things appreciate as time goes on, right? And yeah, like, I've definitely noticed that, man. Like, people being like, oh, yeah, I love that. And it's like, where were you you should have been there <laughs> please <laughs> well it's almost like people have to catch up to you eventually right like yeah, people yeah. you know um so and I, I was just wondering like when that came out were there people like into it right away like was it something that no it's in so like with violent reaction like um america liked it and i think it's because we had this like sort of oi twinge to it so it's like a bit a bit like there's a lot of like Anglophiles into it, a lot of like like that kind of shit. Europe liked it, but in the UK, like people just fucking hated it. Yeah. Like initially, like people were just like, "What the fuck?" Especially because like they didn't like the boot boy thing. People were like, "Yeah, you shouldn't be like this," because like you know, um, like I got jumped by a load of skinners and like fucking did it or whatever. It's like oh, I don't know, mate. I don't know what to tell you. Like, but um. Yeah, um, people people in the UK really didn't like it until the end, and then people started to like pick up. People started to like be like, "Oh yeah, actually, this is all right." Especially once we did a few stints in America, we did like a couple of like really big tours. Uh, one of them was like, like I think it was like 65, 70 shows just back to back. Like, just like, I mean, like. <laughs> We were playing like Boise, Idaho and shit like that. Like we were playing like we were playing like guys' like front room and shit. Like there was like people like a few times people would be like, Yeah, yeah, you just come play in a house show, it's like sick. And then like they built this like professional setup in the like with like a laser show and shit. It's crazy. <laughs> fucking the middle, that middle bit of America is like amazing. Yeah. Like especially coming from England, you're just like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> the the house show scene in uh the middle of america is is in, like you're saying it's 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 incredible and i guess it's like you know like a factor of the, the a function of the fact that there's like bars won't even have these bands play so you have to be like okay we're gonna have to just build a stage at our house we were we were like young to the point where like um we couldn't legally play a lot of the places because it's like 21 and up in america to yeah that's true yeah it's crazy it's to me that's bonkers like but um um yeah so we were like a lot of us were like under 21 so we had to like all going through the back door and shit but um yeah it's cool man like that that was like the best time of my life man just like going around america just being like just causing havoc for like six weeks solid 
But yeah, like people, I mean, like we used to play those DC, that Damage City Fest a lot and do all that kind of scene. Like, um, um, but yeah, it was cool, man. It's cool. People, people, people liked us in America, definitely. Um, yeah, it's good. It, it feels like the, uh, like you're saying about the boot boy thing. Um, I remember us going over there and, and we were on the BBC, on the punk show on the BBC and trying to play oh. business's cover of Do They Owe Us a Living? Yeah. And then being like, we can't play that on, on here. Like we don't play anything really? with skinhead at that time. Like it felt like it was so verboten. And obviously that's a factor of, you know, the far right politics infiltrating and that whole thing. But like, there felt like there was no kind of understanding that there was this other type of skinhead boot boy that had an aversion to all the fascism. Yeah. Like, I think, I think it's like, you know, like in England, like, cause there was like the whole foreskins, right. And da, 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 all this stuff, you know, and it's like a real, it, it got really hairy at one point. I think it's just like one of those things where like people like why would you why why would you fight for the mainstream to know that you're not you know what I mean like I mean like who who is going to be the one that pushes for it to be mainstream legitimized you know what I mean especially because most skinheads don't give a fuck they just want to fight and drink and whatever mm-hmm. it's like um I think um you know um what was I going to say it's um it's definitely like you know, it's, it, I think it's like tainted to the point where it's always going to have a little bit of a like, uh, you know, especially it, it, in England. But I mean, that you, it's saying that now, like people like Dr. Martins do a big campaign in England about like, you know, the spirit of 69 and like all that kind of shit. Like, um, and like, you know, there's a lot, there is, there is stuff like Mike Skinner from the streets did a, did a campaign with them about like, you know, like a boots and braces don't make me racist type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's at now. I it, mean, I think it's. I think you're right. Like it's. It's starting to. Like it's a shame to lose a, an amazing culture to a bunch of boneheads because yeah. this culture yeah. way predates it, and it's. It's you know. T- you know, like you know this, but you know, and obviously, I can't fault someone for having an aversion to this thing. Like you're saying, people were beaten down by skinheads and stuff. That's my, that's sort of my point. Yeah. It's like, you know, who, if you're like someone who like got beat up in like 87 by a load of boot boys and then like some 18 year old who is like been sniffing glue all day tells you no, like actually you're just gonna be like, whatever. I'm, I still remember getting jumped. And also I think like, you know, skinheads are fighting each other so much like left and right. I don't think it ever, I think they've got bigger things to worry about. You know, they're just, beating each other up all the time whatever yeah yeah but it's it's interesting how you know it is such a huge culture like prior to the national front infiltrating and and it was but it just fell off you know like you're saying like it became so horrible with the politics that you know it didn't really come back until you know it, it's really like the new wave I, of British I, don't I don't think i think it always had that it always had that like little mark against its name you know what i mean a little bit you know unfortunately like you know um i mean yeah i think it's just like those times are just fucking fucking crazy like because i there would have been a, a, a substantial amount of left-wing skinners at the time who were fighting Nazis at the time battle of waterloo is like a prime example when like there was the the blood and honor show that got like stopped by the like redskins and stuff mm-hmm. you know that was all they were all there like kicking the fuck out of all these nazis all the time there's loads of books about it um it's just like you know it's, it is a scary subculture polit- politics aside because it's all about fighting and it's all about drinking and like causing trouble and da, da, da. so i just think the average person would just rather be like nope stay yeah. away you know 
fuck off like you know what I mean? yeah it, but it's once again it's 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 different how it's taken up in america where it's like a lot more of an underground thing like obviously people have a, a very strong aversion to it because of the political thing too but it's it doesn't have the same sort of cultural impact that it does there do you think like do you think like if you're like in boots and braces in a bomber and you walk down toronto high street think people would know what you are or do you think people would like toronto's different right because we're so close to england and the anglophile type part right. of it where so we in the 80s had an insane skinhead problem in toronto really? which led, yeah it led to this other gang forming called the untouchables which then became this media firestorm around the untouchables being this like this is gangs infiltrating toronto now but the untouchables started just to confront skinheads like they were just there because the skinhead thing became so huge in toronto at yeah. that point so i think it's different in toronto but i think a lot of places people wouldn't necessarily know maybe now with the internet and it's a little more kind of i think also like i think also like since the sort of rise of like 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 the proud boys and shit like that yeah. a lot of people are sort of like a lot I've, I've noticed at least in america i've noticed a lot of people are starting to like cotton on to like stuff like antifa like when i first went to america antifa was like never like people like straight up were just like what the fuck is that like and that's been going on europe for i mean like antifa in the uk like started off as afa and stuff like that was been going on since the fucking seven must be 70s or something like that. yeah yeah it's like you know and like um but like in america i think they're just sort of starting to cotton on to things like that like street level politics and and i think also in america now like the idea of what a Nazi looks like has changed. Like you don't think it's a boot boy anymore. Like if you look at a Nazi, it's, it's the guy's got a beard or some shit like that, you know? Yeah. Like they, yeah. All, they all look like sort of like weird, like business types. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, you know, I think even dangerous. like, by the, that's, dangerous. that's very dangerous. That the fact that they like are able to like understand once they stop being like street level gang shit and start being like, legitimate like trying to be like legitimate party types that's fucking a whole another level of danger because they can end up being in places which you know what i'm trying to say like it's bad that's bad you know i think they are in places like this like that now like i think the thing about skinheads is who's i've read someone make this quote so i don't want to take credit oh i think it's uh louis throw in his new documentary talks about skinheads were this group that had legitimately no power you know, like they were, they're like, you're saying they're more concerned with fighting each other. Like they have power and violence and stuff like that, but actual like real political power. They no, one's gonna just... vote for, no one's going to vote for a fucking skinhead. Like, no, absolutely not. Like, but, you know what I mean? But the proud boys have, it's all about the political power. Like they have no ties to subculture. Like they aren't, you know, like it's, it's very much like this, like you're saying, like, this is the evil where like all of a sudden the skinheads don't look like skinheads and they have political power and political you know ambitions i think it's it's yeah and it's like you know a, a lot of ignorance is like just it's like it's like it's ignorance you know but a lot of people in pubs they'll say something and you'll be like that's fucking stupid and ignorant and you shouldn't say that that's one thing but when someone's like politically motivated to spread that ignorance it's like a whole another level of danger to me like because you know someone's sitting in a pub and they say something like xenophobic and you say hey don't fucking say that in front of me and they're like oh sorry sorry that's like that's one situation but being like look i'm trying to enact this law which means that people who come to this country seeking asylum have a harder time you know that kind of shit it's like yeah. that is that's bad like you know 
Well, I, I think almost the first one's a, a result of white supremacy, and the second one's continuing white supremacy. Like yeah, this idea like that build, they're like building the like instead of just being there, they're like building stuff. It's like yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. They're building the house of hate. They're not just living in it. They're they're yeah, they're putting yeah. the extension on the building out back yeah. now. Like I feel um, like England, I feel like England's getting like we just I don't know what's going on, but politically it's just moving backwards and backwards and backwards and yeah since the brexit thing i think it like legitimized a lot of people feel well it feels like it people i think people who are like of that ilk that we we're just talking about feel like their voice they think they're legitimized now mm-hmm. they have this like idea that like oh actually like there's a lot of us i don't think there is but i think they feel like there is now and they they shout in the loudest in the room and that's scary as fuck like <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, and I think like um, it, it like it's 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 like at another time these people you could have affected these people because they'd be all going to church, so you could control yeah. their political discourse through the pulpit in some way, or you know, like there there are ways to kind of like get people to think a certain way, um, you know. But now yeah. it's the internet, like now it's like this the you know it's you can algorithm people and you can manipulate people and and work them to vote against their own self interests. There's also like a there's also this element of like arrogance with it where like a lot of the time they feel like they don't need to like back what they say up or necessarily like legitimize what can I how can I put this it? like fact check they never they never ever ever fact check themselves like they'll never be like listen I believe this and like you know da 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 and um and and they'll be like well and that's it and that's what I believe so if you don't like it suck it up and it's like there's no like well what about this statistic which proves this wrong or da-da-da. there's nothing like that they're yeah. just like yeah well whatever that's how I feel so f- fuck off and it's like really difficult to try and reason with someone who does not ever correct themselves <laughs> you know what I mean yeah well because I think at other times like people would just watch the evening news and that's where they would get all their information yeah. and now there's no baseline for you know what's what's mainstream thought you know now it's just like whatever you find on the internet is your mainstream and these people you know like it feels like the internet's something that at first like the people on it could kind of handle it and now it's like a bunch of people that really probably should not be on this thing it's crazy like it is absolutely fucking crazy that's why i try and limit my technology yeah like because i just think it's not where i want to be well, I got you on a computer, so that's, yeah, mate, that's yeah. only, I'm, only for you, mate. <laughs> I'm sucking you in. Oh, gonna... wow. Next time it'll be like a tin can or a string or something. <laughs> what did you say, mate? Yeah, hang on. <laughs> uh, you bring back you guys have references, obviously the Chiswick stuff you brought up. I always mispronounce it as Chiswick, but Chiswick stuff. Um, it it feels like that label. You know, people don't really appreciate how deep that sound was on that label like you mentioned Riff Raff there's there's like 101ers there's Motorhead right. Motorhead there's like so yeah, much stuff Dan, Dan did stuff on it I think yep you're right Dan did yeah. stuff I think uh Machine Gun Etiquette's on Chiswick right like I, it's... I really like all that fucking um I really like all that like guilty pleasure on mine but all that like weird like Teddy Boy shit they did as well like Shawaddy Waddy and all that kind of shit <laughs> yeah like <laughs> they're just like fucking mental like what the like it's like what? Who's a teddy boy in the eighties? Like, well, I'm fascinated by that culture because it's like that's something that almost feels like it was 
well, what, like from what I understand, it's passed down to you, right? Like your dad got into this music in the fifties and then by the eighties, it's like the great grand or the grandchildren of these guys that like, uh, Ted, uh, Billy Fury or what well, I can't remember. Sorry. Uh, Elvis or whatever. They fucking Teddy boys a funny one. Cause, um, they are like every Teddy boy I've ever encountered has been just like a complete psycho. Like, fucking hell like any fight i've ever had with a teddy boy they've just been like it's like fighting a fucking like a lion or something it's <laughs> wild. they are like soup they like do not care about whether you, I, well i don't know this is it felt like they didn't care whether i lived or died basically i was just like jesus christ you know what i mean they're just like wild fuckers really wild and they like it's mad, like you're you're that fucking mental when you're also in like drain pipes and gruffle creepers. It's just like I don't know. It's a it's a crazy subculture. I think mean, I also don't know what bands they listen to. Like you know what I mean? Like what do you like? Is there any modern Teddy Boy bands? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what the modern thing is. Maybe it's just like going to see the, all those bands like Dementia, thir- what are they, and uh, Mentor uh, Meteors or whatever. Yeah, Meteors. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe it's just like a revival scene type thing because like, you're like right the, i can't think of a new I quite, one i quite like the meetings, but that's more like psychobilly stuff isn't it really like yeah teddy boys is like um what's that what's that guy mad uh mad thing in the caravans or yeah crazy thing? crazy cravat in the caravans or you know the one i'm talking about yeah because my dad had an autographed single by that guy my dad and my mom split up i just went through all his records because that's when i was getting into punk and i found an autographed yeah. single by that guy and like all his motorhead stuff and that was my my stealing you ever seen that footage on youtube of like i think it's called like um london rock and roll festival or something stupid like that but it's like in the 80s and it's basically a teddy boy festival and it's like um um screaming lord such is playing and oh uh, whoa, yeah a bunch of shit but the fucking state of them in the crowd they're just like every fucker's like gurning their fucking ah, it's just you, it's a good watch it's just like watch that. yeah it's like all these, it's like it's like ten thousand teddy boys sitting in Wembley Stadium watching. Yeah, it's good. It's, good it's amazing to think that there were like uh, there was a time where there were like ten thousand of these kids out yeah. there that love yeah. this stuff. You know, yeah. like youth culture That's and revival as well. That's a revival. That's not even like the initial wave of like you know what I mean like because they were kicking it in the fifties when they or something. Well, yeah, and then there's the, the what the Brighton uh, Beach riot with the mods. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking. You know, it's a, yeah, like it feels, it, it feels like a, a culture that's somehow always rearing its head around the corner. Like there might be a revival and I'm always dreading it because, you know, as much as I like those Chiswick singles, I don't know if I want a full blown Teddy Boy sure, revival. Wipey, wipey reunion. You don't want to show Wipey Wipey reunion. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. I want you to come back on the show whenever you want to come on this thing, because this has been a shit Whenever ton of you fun want, mate. you know I'm, all, I'm always here i've got fuck all to do man <laughs> i'll be waiting well uh yeah this has been amazing and th- Thank thanks so much me, honestly i really appreciate it mate. thank you charlie for coming on the show and charlie will be back for a part two at some point in the future he is busier than he lets on though because as i said off the top he's involved in a lot of bands right now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if he finds the time, he's always welcome back here. A lot more to discuss. Also didn't find out till after the interview that uh, Charlie's mom directed Ghost Watch, which is one of my favorite films, I guess, TV show ever. 
you know, it's fantastic. Check out Ghostwatch. Uh, you can find it on on the internet. It is very scary. Still very scary. It's one of those things that holds up. I watch it every year. Uh, that's it. Uh, check out all of Charlie's amazing music uh, on some of those labels I mentioned uh, and off the top and, and you heard in the episode as well. And uh, yeah, that that is it. Uh, coming up later on this week on the show, there will be a brand new episode of Danko Jones and my kind of, I guess now, bi- bi-weekly, that means t- every two weeks, right? I, I believe. Uh, podcast, YouTube show, Roll the Dice with D&D. That's the name I think we've settled on now, where we talk about strange records from our record collection, and it is always a fun conversation. Danko has an unbelievable collection of novelty and weird weird stuff records and i of course have a lot of punk records so you know what i'm going to be talking about most of the time uh you can find that on youtube and you can find that on this podcast channel later on this week that is it remember as always black lives matter the lives of indigenous peoples matter we need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and just knock out all this fucking Nazi bullshit. Like there's just no time or no place for that stuff in this world, you know, support uh, people's rights to do what they want with their reproductive systems and uh, get involved in organizations that you feel are doing good work out there. Uh, Donate your time, donate money if they need it, you know, just find, find your way to help. It'll help you feel better. Uh, Also sign your organ donor cards. Because by the time they come looking for those organs, you're not going to need them. And I've seen it. it. It it does make people's lives better. It can change people's lives. It can give people life. And you don't need it by the time they come looking for them. It's not like that Monty Python sketch that was ripped off wholesale by you can't do that on television. Like, who were they trying to kid ripping that sketch off? Anyway, sign your organ donor cards. Uh, go up there and make your own culture. Start a band. Start a fanzine in the words of the great Tony Erba. Anyone can do this shit. Anyone can do this stuff. And, uh, it, it, you know, and, and if you don't feel comfortable sharing it with the whole world, just do it for yourself. It'll help you. It'll help you feel, you know, it's all about trying to get to a place where you feel happy without, you know, having to spend money. <laughs> That's really what the goal in life is. Uh, uh, speaking of that, try meditating. You know, I, I pay for an app, so it certainly isn't free. But at the same time, there are lots of free ways, especially if you're paying for the ability to listen to this podcast. I'm sure there's a way for you to listen to a meditation app and try it because it'll really, it could change your life. You know, I need to do it more. It has changed my life in in real perceptible ways. You know, I think people around me even will acknowledge that now. Um, And I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, I love you. Stay safe. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.